now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. back next friday night as a matter of fact it's the last friday of the month you get out of here next friday get out seriously seriously 
Really? Uh, it is uh, the Halloween Boogie Nights back at Grand Ole House. Friday night, October 29th. The party you know, the party you love. No cover charge ever. Plenty of parking. And it is next Friday night at Grand Ole House. So That's crazy. Uh, yeah. And it's a fun one, too, because it's, you know, it's Halloween that weekend. And uh, Spook Fest will be uh, our DMS Spook Fest is at Pedro St. James mm-hmm. coming up on Saturday, October 30th for moms and dads and kids from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Absolutely free admission as well. No covered charge there for moms, dads, or kids. Again, safe trick-or-treating outdoors at Pedro St. James with DMS Broadcasting and KISS FM. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Morning, Sandy. How are you? Morning. Good morning, morning, everybody. Hey, Blake. Hey, Aaron. How are you? Sandy. How's it going? Good. Good. Happy Uh, Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. I like your, um, I like your steel drum music there. It's yeah, the, I'm. Uh, it's like you're I'm on just, hold. Um, I think it's temporary, but I'm gonna. Um, I'm still playing around with yeah. what the new intro will look like. Yeah. That's cool. okay. So um, I thought something nice and Caymanian for sure, and a little bit more relaxing because today's show is gonna be a little bit hot. Oh, is it? Truthful Tuesdays always is extra truthful Tuesdays. Uh oh. Uh oh. Oh yeah. So what is it? Yeah. What's the most truthful thing today? Well, we're going to be talking about a jury trial yesterday that I think caught a lot yes. of people by surprise. I, I read that story just this morning on CMR. Yes. And I was a little flabbergasted. Yeah. You're at not the outcome either. of the jury trial. Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I using, am I wrong for fe- feeling flabbergasted? Flabbergasted. No, I think most people are. Most I, I mean, I wasn't, I, you know, fair enough. I wasn't in yes. uh, the courtroom. I wasn't in the trial. I didn't see the evidence. Uh, I read what you wrote. I assume maybe you were in, in the courtroom at some point. Um, for a couple days. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your take? I did not that? see the the victim's testimony. I mean, I heard it summarized. So let, me give you the let me give you the synopsis, okay. right? So the synopsis yeah. was uh, there was a lady who was, was out for an evening with friends, her husband and kids were at home. Uh, she grabbed a cab to go home. She had a little too much to drink, passed out in the cab. The cab driver- oh, Yes, I remember this The one. cab driver was not licensed to drive the cab. It was mm-hmm. his mother's cab. Yep. And he was driving the cab around for whatever reason that night, picked her up. And then when she awoke at home, uh, he was basically uh, assaulting her, or allegedly assaulting her. And so that was the, the case. Do I have that about right? Yes. Okay. That's that's about right. So how did the jury come to the conclusion that he was not guilty? Um, well, basically, this wasn't even a question of whether he did it or not, because he admitted to doing it, but he said that she assaulted him. Wait, what? And the jury clearly believed that she assaulted him, that she was the aggressor. And what and, and did you see evidence that supported that? No. Hmm. I think <clears throat> we're we're gonna really dig deep on this one today. But I think that um, you know, there is a theory about jury trials. And I don't know if you remember this, if you guys were even on island then, but years ago, 
there was a move to do away with jury trials entirely. Mm -hmm. And then there was a lot of kickback um, for that. And I think this is one of the examples where people would argue this is why you do away with jury trials, because jurors get it wrong all the time. Actually, people would be surprised. Yeah, I think if I had the choice between a jury trial and a bench trial, I would go with a bench trial. It, it depends. Um, yeah. I personally, from my own experience, having gone with um, you know all judge trials except the one that I lost, I think in that case, I should have gone with a jury trial. And I'll tell mm. you why. Um, sometimes jurors are aware of the bigger picture that the judge just doesn't know. Mm. If right. that makes sense. And that can that can play into certain types of decisions. Um, so yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people are very, very shocked. And you know what's also interesting? Um there's no, you know, like in the US, jury trials, like afterwards, you can talk to the jurors, you can try to figure out why you came to the decision that you came yeah. to in this jurisdiction. And I don't know if this is across the board, like in the UK, I don't know if this is a UK thing or not, but definitely in this jurisdiction, like that doesn't happen. Do like, they ever tell you the logic behind their decision? So they can just do they, uh, do they pull the jurors here? Is that a thing? No, that's exactly what I'm saying. There's no such thing that happens. Cause what happens is, and, and I was in a jury trial when this happened is a lot of times you can get in that, that uh, del deliberation room. And you can be in, I don't know how long they were deliberating for actually in this case, but mm. you know, if it goes a day or two days or three days or. Yeah, no, no, no. This was just a couple hours. This okay. Some, and sometimes you can be intimidated by others in the room and, and be coerced into agreeing with the group so that everybody can go home basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what happens is, is when you go out and you give the guilty, not guilty verdict, uh, the lawyers will say, can I pull the jurors? And then they'll go individually do is this your decision guilty yeah. or not guilty and that, that, does, that doesn't happen here they just leave them out until they come to mm. um some sort of a decision but they weren't really out for that long they were out for um I that's not very long a couple hours yeah it was just a couple hours it wasn't anything just enough time to grab lunch basically mm -hmm. um but yeah i want to i want to talk about that case a little bit because it is a lot of people are, are unsettled by the case yeah this um, is shocking course, no, it's very shocking. And this is why a lot of females like choose not to be by themselves and get like a cab home because you just, you, yeah. I mean, it's even just like my husband left the house and he's like, oh, I have a dentist appointment and we have people coming over to, to, to do something, some electrical work. I was like, I'm by myself at the house. No, I'm not as a female. I do not let men I do not know in my house by myself with me. Like that's just... It's just what we do. It's we yeah. know how to protect ourselves, and so something like that is very shocking to hear. And you're and you're from the states, so that that is there's a bigger pool of of bad guys. Yeah. And and but as know, a general rule, and crazy crazy yeah. that goes on in the states. As a general rule, it doesn't like, typically I, happen. Oh, here, I had a guy but, that like flipped me off because I wouldn't pick him up as like he was hitchhiking, and I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. That was, Lone female. That no, was, that was me. That was you. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I did. I mean, I do know you, and so I did flip you off on the way back. So that that I guess yeah, that is why. No, but I was like, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, and not only that, but I think I think that a lot of women in this jurisdiction, um, in particular, still don't come forward, who are victims of sexual assault, sure. and they will now sit back and look at this case and say, well. Here's they, a prime example. Um, so, and allegedly this guy pulled over, you know, right near the where she lives. Yeah, but there's so many bizarre things about this. 
Mm -hmm. um, really point to the fact that this woman couldn't be the aggressor and couldn't be making this up. But, you know, the jury sat there more than anybody else, I suppose. So the thing I don't understand is, is, was she in the back? This is like a, yeah. And so then he he was also in the back as well. Well, he got out, he got out and did what he was doing. And And her her version of the story is she woke up to find him, you know, assaulting her. So if she were assaulting him, uh, wouldn't she make her way to the front seat? So how 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 did she defies logic that it's a little bit crazy? She invited him to the back seat and then and then assaulted him allegedly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. All right. So what else is happening? Um, Shame. We didn't talk about the um, yesterday the report the COVID update on how there were fifty two case fifty three positive tests from over the weekend. We were touching on that. Just yes, and the vast majority of those were um, Delta variant cases. Uh, not yeah. the vast majority, all of them. So mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say that um, the Delta variant is the the dominant variant, um, mm-hmm. pretty much accounting for one hundred percent of the cases here in the Cayman Islands. Forty two positive community from the community, nineteen yep. of which were children. Yes, um, and eleven from visitors, travelers. Yeah. Do we know uh, this week when this uh, press conference is going to be to announce the opening of the borders? Uh, We still haven't heard any confirmations yet. And the other question we had was we heard last night, I had read something that there were two people in hospital. Do we know anything more about that? Uh, One would be the lady from Northside. So she continues to recover. I actually saw someone over the weekend that said she's getting better. That's good. Uh, But again, her, her, recovery um isn't related to covid because she went in for something else yeah 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 yeah. um so i understand that she's recovering and then the other person they didn't specify who that other person was so we're trying to get some clarification yeah yeah there's always bits and pieces of missing information when they when they send it out to be honest right um so yeah a couple people at the grocery store in West Bay at, um, what's the name of the other, the Dairy Queen in West Bay. So, you know, the cases are as expected picking up. Uh, you know, last week, Thursday show, I think it was, we had a great um, guest on our CMR Spotlight, COVID Spotlight series in the evenings, which is tonight again at seven o'clock. I would encourage your listeners to tune in because this one um, is a team of, of heart specialists, cardiologists talking about COVID and um, the heart, which is really, really important. So they're going to talk about, you know, myocarditis, pericarditis, like everything related to COVID in the mm-hmm. heart and the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but last week we had a gentleman who is an epidemiologist, but he specializes in forecasting. And he did forecast models for the Cayman Islands, which were amazing with the limited information that he had how much detailed information he was able to extract from that. Um, so much so that some government officials have reached out and said, wow, can we get his contact details? Because I think they were told by Public Health England, which might have had a name change recently, that they weren't able to do forecasting until we started having community transmission cases. So I don't know what model he used, but he was, I mean, I was really impressed. It was very detailed, obviously, but he did a really excellent job of breaking down how community spread would work and you know what sort of peak times we'd be looking at, how it is going to peak at some point, and then he anticipates the numbers to start to decline. And of course, the one thing that we do have 
working in our favor is the high number of vaccinated people. And the higher we can get that, um, you know, in his opinion, the better off um, we will be. All so what did he say the peak would be? I wanted to say like December or so, if we were open to open now. Mm-hmm. So basically he said, don't open now, but in another couple months, you'd be fine to open. Right. If you continue in the trend of vaccinating as well. Yeah. Right. So oh, we're almost um, at 80. We've got 79%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it 79% now? Um, uh, so yeah, so we're, we're getting... Ever, I'm going to have a look at that. We're getting ever so closely. So the other thing in, in news today that's new, noteworthy is that, um, yep, we're at 79%. Have one dose, 75% at two. So we want yeah. to get to that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. at least there's one dose. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. 79% one dose. Yeah. 75 with two, right? With two dose, yeah. So the other interesting thing to note today um, is that the trial um, starts with uh, Katina Anglin, who is an anti-vaxxer and anti-same-sex um, unions. Uh, she is, I don't know if you guys remember this, but she sues, is suing the government or the governor uh, because he exercised his powers under, I think it was Section 81 of the Constitution. So she is, uh, that case goes to Grand Court today that starts at 1.30 in courtroom 5. So if anyone is interested to see um, how the system works, <laughs> you know, do come out. Um, it's open court, of course, and it's before Justice Williams. So lots of constitutional um, questions there, what the governor can't and can't do and where his powers lie. And, um, you know, she thinks that he has overstepped his powers. So overstepped his powers doing what? What, what did he decide? Um, for the civil partnership law. I see. So remember he stepped in and yeah. just decided to pass it because our legislators yeah. are not capable of doing so. Mm-hmm. So she wants to reverse that decision by way of challenging um, his powers through her Christian Association for Civics group. Um, okay. So, yeah. So she's got. Um, Are you going to check that out today? Sorry. Are you going to check that? Check out the court? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll be there. I want to hear some of the legal arguments because I think it's very, very interesting. Um you know, the bottom line is pretty much anyone can challenge anything in a court of law almost. Um, and, you know, lawyers are paid to just come up with whatever. It doesn't mean it, doesn't mean it has a whole lot of merit. And the threshold is often very, very low for it to um, go, go past the stage of, yes, you're approved for judicial review or, you know, you're approved for the case to at least go forward to that first stage. Mm-hmm. Um, prime, prime example of that is um, the case last week that was lost by um, the couple there in West Bay, uh, Mendoza, Wilson Mendoza and his wife, mm-hmm. and um, another landowner, one or two other landowners in the area who were claiming that the NRA um, was, you know, usurping their Bill of Rights, their constitutional rights by putting in a street and going through that process. And they came with all sorts of arguments that on the face of it to me, never made any sense, but it doesn't mean that they didn't get a stay um, of, you know, basically the process moving forward. They were able to stop government for over a year now from uh, putting a road in where a road clearly needs to go. This is a five-year-old dispute. And yeah. because of a lawsuit, they got an injunction. They were able to stop it. And um, now they're at the stage where, um, you know, they lost <laughs> the case. So, We'll see what happens next. I, I do hope that the NRA is, is able to move forward with that project very, very quickly because yeah, it remains a, a point of contention. 
I forget what it's called, but it's a, it's a, it's a law where the, the queen can b- pretty much take uh, any land she needs to for the betterment. Emancipation. Yeah, it's... No. it's um, what is it called? No, it's... it's uh, that's uh, oh gosh, it was just it was just with me. Um, yeah. I wanted to say eminent domain, but that's not what that's it, it is. But it's it's acquisition. It's um. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Eminent domain. Um, yeah. I think it's called is it eminent acquisition or compulsory mm-hmm. acquisition, basically. But yeah, yeah. I mean, they can take your house if they um, if they're like, hey, we want to put a runway uh, right here for. Yeah, uh, I mean, they have to. You know, they they have to give you fair market value, and yeah. there are certain consideration so it's the land mm-hmm. acquisition act or something that would be uh triggered um but yeah i mean this isn't really what was happening here um what was happening here is a 45 year old right of way was um now being taken over by government because of this ongoing dispute that was just getting a little bit ridiculous and um you know that particular landowner wants to use the right of way up to his property so he wants to tra- traverse other people's land and use a 45 year right away until it gets to his property. And then he wants the right of way to be cut off there after it's been past him for 45 years. Um, and he doesn't want his neighbors to take advantage of the right of way. So it's, it was, it's a very bizarre case to be honest. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, it doesn't take much to get a, a trial, especially of this nature, um, constitutional questions and so on to the court. So we'll see what happens. All right, uh, Sandy, uh, catch uh, CMR right now live on Facebook and YouTube, and we'll see you tomorrow. All right, guys, have a good one. See you later, bye. Bye. All right, folks, so we got a lot to talk about. As you guys can see, it is a super, super busy day. Good morning to Marshall. Olivia's here. Shirley, good morning. She says, I'm a new viewer. I've been enjoying all of the great content, COVID-related specials and information. Well, thank you, Miss Shirley. Um, so don't forget this evening, folks, you got to tune in cardiologists. I mean, this is a lineup. Let me just show you who these guys are of um, three cardiologists who, uh, let me just tell you, these are hard hitting guys. Look at this. So we have just FYI, let me get you all their credentials because it reads like a who's who. Um, We've got Dr. Michael Emery, lots of digits, not digits, initials after his name, but he's co-director of the Sports Cardiology Center um in the clinical cardiology Tomish family department of cardiology medicine i mean his thing goes on and on listen it's amazing associate professor of medicine cleveland clinic yep so he's he's uh, specializes in sports cardio- cardiology which is very very interesting we have dr ravi amancharla who's the chief interventionalist cardiologist and Electrophysio, what? Electrophysiologist of Health City. Oh my gosh. Uh, Dr. Ravi is responsible for uh, multiple heart related clinics such as heart failure, atrial, atrial fibrillation clinics, and so on that are available at Health City. So that's a local expert, over 20 years of cardiology experience. And then we've got Dr. Matthew Martinez, who's Director of Atlantic Health System Sports Cardiology and Morristown Medical Center, um, and a nationally recognized expert in hypertrophic cardio cardiomyopathy. Yes, oh, these big words, honey, gel. So he specializes, again, in treating and identifying athletes who have underlying heart conditions, such as arrhythmia or HCM. 
So you got to tune in. These guys are going to be talking about um, your COVID-related concerns as it specifically relates to the heart. So some real heavy hitters there, heart experts joining us tonight on the COVID Spotlight Series brought to you here on CMR. So thank you, Ms. Shirley. I hope you're able to grab that show this evening at 7 p.m. Uh, Siobhan, thank you so much. Good morning. Carol is here. Um, says, how are these events allowed with COVID spread? Slightly ridiculous. We have to wear masks in our office, but all can go to bar, uh, get drunk around and yell, sing, etc. at each other. Which event are we talking about? Did I miss? I think I missed that one. Um, Alice, good morning. Blissful Powell is here. Anna, Larry, thank you so much for tuning in. Gina is here. Felicia, good morning to Carmely. Uh, Wee Wee's got it locked in. Miss Joy, good morning to Scott. Um, Miss Morna is here. Good morning. Tea time. It is tea time. So listen, um, Jonathan and other regular viewers to the program, we are working on um, sort of redoing our intro. So we have a temporary one there this morning with the steel pans. Give us your feedback on what you'd like to see. A lot of people loved the um, spilling the tea with Sandy, and we're going to continue that theme in some form or another, I think, because um, we love a lot of tea around here, Chen, literal and figuratively. So, um, but if you have any ideas, you know, share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Virtuous Panook is here. Uh, Jonathan is joining us from overseas. Elizabeth is here. Carol um, says, close the bars. Ooh, Carol, you must want them to start writing, girl. You can close everything else, but the bars, mm-mm-mm. Bars and churches apparently go hand in hand with, with each other. So you can't. You can't close either one, apparently. Good morning to Irvlin. Um, oh, my gosh. Carol says, completely uh, hypocritical. Rights for all, except I hope the judge just throws it right out of court and tells her where to go. Well, we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. Rachel, yes, the hypocrisy of Katina is not lost on any of us. Um, Carol says it makes her blood pressure go through the roof. All right, let's let's talk about it. Uh, Louis, good morning. Um, since you guys really want to, oh, Carol is referring to Boogie Night. Sorry, I missed that. Since you guys want to start with Katina, let's start with that, and then we're going to get into the um, the sexual assault trial and look at a few details in relation to that. Give me one quick second, though. Just recognize that um, I need to grab my phone. So one quick second.
All right, folks, thank you so much for your indulgence. I've always got to keep the phone handy because we get breaking news alerts right in the middle of the show, and you know how we bring it to you. So, um, yes, 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 buenos dias, good morning. So, yes, we're in court this morning. Not we, not me, but as a viewer, I will be in court uh, watching this case with Katina Anglin. So what this is, is Katina has basically said that when the... um, Governor exercised his powers under Section 81 of the Cayman Islands Constitution to legalize civil partnerships, uh, that he essentially stepped over his lawful ability to do so. Remember we told you that Katina somehow, she went to law school and she got a law degree. Um, Kudos for her, because I think that in many ways, um, she shows how forgiving the system and the people the Cayman Islands are where you can go from being, you know, a hardcore crack addict um, to reforming at least to the point of of being able to successfully get a law degree. I mean, a lot of people in this community say, oh, you know, people hold hold things against you and this and that. And I think I have always found that Caymanians tend to be very forgiving people. Um, You can commit some of the worst atrocities in the world and in this community, you know, you molest children, they, somebody else is going to try and marry you that has children and give you open and wide access pretty much to their children. I mean, I think this community is very, very forgiving. And I can think of countless examples where um, people just, you know, they don't hold anything against you at all. They give you a second chance. So I want to congratulate her for that achievement. I think that that's great. But also what I think has happened now Um, is that she has become a legal expert in everything. And she wants to push her, you know, she talks about freedom. She's so she's also an anti-vaxxer and they're calling themselves pro-choice. That's, that's a new term for anti-vaxxer and pro-choice. But she wants to push her religious beliefs in everyone. And not everybody shares her religious beliefs, especially where her religious beliefs include hating people just because of their sexual orientation. And so she's the founder of a group called the Christian Association for Civics. I don't even know what that means, to be honest. It's just like a made up name to me that has no, it doesn't mean anything. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, this sounds good. Let me just go with this, CAC. But she has this group going and I think they've got, I don't know if they have a little website or something, but they've been pushing a number, um, Christian.ky is the website. They've been pushing a number of of topics, um, including anti-vaccination. They don't believe in that. It says to educate Christians, this is her mission, to educate Christians in civics and politics and promote Christian leaders into public office. So that's their remit. Hmm. Doesn't seem like they're doing a particularly good job, but anyway. Um, So she has, you know, jumped up on several different things. Um, she She has a donation here, folks. It says here that she needs $100,000. She's trying to raise $100,000 for her legal fund. So if you want to give her some money, um, go ahead and contact her and give her your hard-earned money. $100,000. I would not recommend it. Uh, These nonprofits are not being audited in any way. You give her money for legal fund and you don't even know where the money goes. But there you go. Freedom of choice. Um, So, of course, on here she's talking about um, vaccine mandates. That seems to be her thing that she's educating people about at this particular time. Um, her attorney, she says, is KSG Law. 
and um, they issued a letter before action as it relates to the vaccine mandate. So I guess after she loses this one, if you guys continue to donate to her fund, she'll find enough money to then challenge the government with the vaccine mandate. Um, so yeah, so this organization is around. Um, it has a phone number, which I'm guessing is her personal phone number, 922-6644. Uh, Christians came on, christiancivics at gmail is their email address. And it's just a simple, like one page, maybe it has more than one page. Uh, no, looks like one page, website. Oh, more than one page, my apologies. Let's get it right. Um, so she's saying that Christians have a civic duty. Um, and she has a whole thing here in that reader article below on Christians civic duty. So she enjoys writing. Uh, so that's good for her. And, um, you know, she's basically trying to say that Christians need a voice in the government. They're trying to um, encourage political leaders who will support their position and support their voice. Well, the thing with this is she also seems to think that that she has more rights than other people because she is a Christian. And this is where the logic seems a bit flawed. Um, so she has choices and she has this hypocrisy that Carol and others are already picking up on. Um, she has, you know, certain rights and then other people shouldn't enjoy those freedoms and those rights when it comes to choice. So she wants choice with vaccine mandates. Obviously she has a choice to be a Christian or not and all these other things. But, um, yes, when it comes to other people having a choice with civil partnerships, she thinks that, well, that, um, shouldn't happen, that that's somehow gone too far. So, um, there you have it. Um, I think it's it's definitely prejudicial and it's flawed um, logic for sure. And um, I just don't understand it. And even people who were standing side by side with her in the vaccine mandate would never stand side by side with her at one of her protests um, against, you know, um, gay people or bisexual people, which I think is so incredibly interesting. Uh, so Zambula says, fight for our rights. Yes, Katina, unvaccinated have a say just as much. And the vaccinated person is just as bad, period, because it's all BS simple. So stop making these people full on ahead with nonsense with this vaccine. Mm -mm -mm. Uh, Zelda says, interesting to see the consequences handed down from court on CMR for Sandy allowing all the commentary and a live judicial proceeding. What live judicial proceeding are we referring to? The one with Katina? Well, first of all, it hasn't even started. And secondly, it's a constitutional issue. So Zelda, this is where a little bit of knowledge can be such a dangerous thing. Um, this isn't a jury trial. So the judge isn't gonna care about public commentary. Let me, allow me to educate you. This is really, really important, Zelda. You gotta understand, because you throw things out there like that and in your brain, it makes sense, but it doesn't make any sense in the realm of the law, okay? So a live judicial proceeding, it's a constitutional issue. So it's going to be discussed in the public. And what we discuss in this program is what's happening in the public. It is also not a jury trial and it's not a criminal trial. It would be in those circumstances where one would have a concern about a live judicial proceeding, criminal jury trial, because then the argument is, follow me along, Zelda. The argument is you would potentially be influencing the jury. None of those things apply here. It's not a criminal trial. 
And it's definitely not before a jury. It's a constitutional matter. So your point is pointless. Got it? All right. Um, she says that I've been repeatedly warned by the courts not to do so in cases being tried. Oh, girl, you are so confused. That is not the case at all. <sighs> One case is repeatedly warned by the court. Or you. And in fact, Zelda, the interesting thing about it is um, you could be held. Now, that comment that you've made about the Tortuga robbery, that young lady could now go back to court and bring up your comment as a point of a problem. So you've just done what you said shouldn't be done for a jury trial that's a criminal trial. And in fact, the public was not supposed to know why that jury trial was restarted. So you've just gone against what the court would see as a problem. Isn't that ironic when you're trying to do something and make people, other people look bad, you actually put yourself in that exact same position. So maybe the courts will actually be contacting you for that comment, not me. The irony of it all. Good morning, Gabby. Good morning, Daisy. Uh, Liasa, good morning. Sherry Ann is here. Deep Blue Sea is here. When you think you're smart, but you'll have a lot to be desired in the realm of knowledge is kind of funny. Um, Deep Blue Sea says something is fundamentally wrong with many of the people in our society. That simple truth. They overlook, ignore the most gruesome acts by some, but wage war on anyone who speaks the truth. Amen. Uh, you know, we're not going to get into too much detail on this today because I want to talk about this as part of um, Caribbean Connection Wednesdays. But you know that yesterday a gruesome scene was discovered in Jamaica, one of these um, religious cults. And um, it sort of reminds me about religious extremism and the dangers of religious extremism. And I don't care what you want to call it. I don't care if you want to call it Christianity. I don't care if you want to call it Muslim. To me, any extreme uh, beliefs have a, a dangerous element to it. So last week we saw an extremist kill an MP um, in the UK. That was not that he wasn't specifically targeted. It was just, oh, an MP that I can get access to. So he was stabbed to death. Um, religious extremism and any form of extremism, in my opinion, has no role to play in people's lives because it really makes you a little bit crazy. So even people who are extreme anti-vaxxers and come up with all these conspiracy theories and stuff, um, it really has, uh, it leaves a lot to be desired. So Gabby says, freedom for all. Uh, the anti-vaxxers, the gays, women's rights to abort, and the list goes on. Can't pick the fight that suits you. Open the can of worms, man. Uh, that damn, that them need to do. So um, yeah, I mean, if you believe in free choice and that's what you know, you're really pushing for, your free choice can't be selective free choice. So it can't be um, free choice for just the anti-vaxxers, but gay people have no free choice and women have no free choice over what to do with their bodies. Gabby, um, I can't really argue with that. I think ultimately everybody has a free choice. It doesn't mean that your free choices don't come with consequences. Um, but you know, it is what it is. So Miss Darlene joining us in the UK says, good morning, CMR and I'll talk about Christianity. We need to be careful how we take that term. Don't be carried away with some of the terminology. Look at what's happening um, with our neighbors in Jamaica. And that's the point I was just talking about. So yes, um, 
like I said, anything in the extreme makes me very, very uncomfortable. And I think you see tons of example of extremism and religious beliefs. It's very, very easy to become an extremist with. I don't know why that is, but it is just the way that it is, I guess, because maybe it's just one of those fundamental beliefs and people feel like they have to go from zero to a thousand with what they believe. And if you read your Bible folks, and you were actually a believer in what the Bible says, ultimately the Bible gives people free choice. It's like, here's what Jesus teachings are, right? This is the word of God and you have the choice or not um, to believe what you want to believe. The consequences are if you believe and you live this life, you go to heaven. If you don't believe and you don't want to live that life, you can choose, then you know, you're going to be serving somebody else and you're going to go to hell. But that's still a choice. And it seems very, very simple to me, but it's amazing how a lot of Christians feel compelled to beat you over the head with the Bible. Like they want to force you into Christianity. So buenos dias to Alba. Um, <laughs> Shirley says, yes, Sandy, let the class begin. Yes, honey child, you, you've got to be very, very careful when you say certain things and you do not have the facts. I mean, facts are very inconvenient for some people, but I assure you, that um, they are extremely important. Now, Zelda, you were also one of those people, and I noticed that you did not read your Facebook comments, your Facebook messages, so allow me to encourage you to go back to Facebook and check your messages, because you were also one of those people commenting on the Frank McField case when you actually don't even know what you're talking about in that case. So again, um, you, you think that he's being sued because of comments he made about vaccination, and that's not the case at all. So, you know, you've got to make sure that you're entitled to your opinion, but your opinion should be based on some correct information and not just made up and however you feel about a situation. I mean, they're actually facts and, and the court um, goes off of facts, folks. I mean, they don't go off of opinion as much as you might think. Although jury trials, which we're going to be talking about next, are a little bit different. So jury trials are inherently flawed in the sense that people make a decision and that decision is often based on how they feel about people that they're looking at. And in this case, you guys will be surprised to know that there was information that the jury was not able to hear about the accused, which is, um, what's his name? Leon Gold, Everett Leon Gold. And we're going to talk about how that could have potentially changed a whole lot of things in the minds of the jury, but they were not permitted. You see, in a trial, there are arguments that are heard outside of the view, the purview of the jury. And those trials are, or those um, arguments are legal arguments. So the jury's role is to decide based on the facts of the case, anything that comes up by way of a legal argument, the judge has to make that decision. So sometimes right in the middle of a, a jury trial, the jury will be excused, sometimes vacated completely, and lawyers actually then have a discussion on points of law before the judge, and the judge will rule on those. And you'd be surprised, especially at the grand court level, that happens all the time. So right now there's the Canova Watson and Bruce Blake trial. They've had a lot of, um, I think they even dismissed one jury already, but they have had a lot of legal arguments that have happened that the judge have had to make rulings on. And some of those legal arguments relate to what the jury will hear from what they will not hear. And so when we start talking about this, um, the sexual assault case, 
the jury was not permitted to hear certain things that could have meant the outcome of the trial was completely different. So uh, someone else who's watching the program sends this WhatsApp message. It says, uh, even God doesn't make you do what you don't want to do. A spot of Christian Bible thumpers because they surround themselves with only like-minded people. When you only surround yourself with like-minded people, your worldview becomes brittle. And so those people ratchet up the noise and violence to defend their brittle worldview. Um, oh, lots of Christian Bible thumps. Yes, yeah, sorry, not spot. Okay, got it. Yes, thank you for that. Another commenter um, says, KMFT, I think you guys know what that means, kissing my so-and-so teeth. I hope the court makes her pay court costs after they boot her out. Leave the effing people alone. They didn't want marriage, so they got to have a civil partnership. Now, this is a problem too. Please explain to me how or why this is such a big effing issue or a bother to anyone. Honestly, they keep going on about Christian this and that. Uh, but when our MLA beat women or cover up the rape of little boys, all these multiple child molesters or rapists that the system lets go because because Caymanians are so quick to blame the victim. Where the F is a challenge for that? <laughs> mm. I bet if they did a survey and asked how many straight men watch lesbian porn or girl and girl action or have dreamed for it or had it in real life, they would see a different something. Uh, these same men who carry on against men and men, but fantasize about two women. Where were people like her when you have people committing acts of bestiality and raping animals right in their lovely uh, Cayman community? Wow. That was a hot mess. Um, mm, mm, mm. What a mess. That's crazy. Okay. Well, on that note, good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Dawn. Good morning, Miss Sue. Good morning, Susan. Donovan is here. Woo. Uh, he's radicalized so bad. Who? Who is? Um, Zelda says, but I got that information from you who reported that the jury was dismissed because you dismissed the trial today. Um, that's not correct, honey child. You, you, would, you would not have gotten that information from me. So that that was not reported at all. So yes, poor Zelda. Um, and for you to even even if you had that knowledge and that information, for you to now use that um, when her trial, her retrial is eminent, is beyond irresponsible of you. So I would like to see how you would actually explain that to the judge, um, Zelda. But you see, people think that um, they don't have any responsibilities in terms of their comment. And this is where we come back to this Dr. Frank issue that we discussed yesterday. People think that they don't have any responsibilities. They think, oh, because you're media, you have all this responsibility, but nobody else does. And that's where, again, you're misstepping. And you're completely wrong. You do have um, responsibilities and you should be careful with the comments that you're making. And yeah, you can't go to court and say, oh, I got this from Sandy. Where did you get that from? I would like to know. As far as I know, Zelda, I've never had a conversation with you. So you're saying that that was in the public domain. Um, if so, then where was it? Because that was not something that have uh, that would have been discussed. 
Moya says they're starting to weaponize Christianity, just like the pharaohs, uh, Pharisees, sorry, and Sadducees. I don't even know what a Sadducee is. Um, look at what caused, look at what that caused back in the day. They nailed the only sinless person in the world to a cross because they did not like the challenge to the New Testament ways. Good morning, Miss Charlene. Oh, sorry. Um, oh, yes, uh, the UK. Uh-huh. Um, Sue says, certainly no cults or voodoo, child, please, all in the name of Christianity. Um, Jonathan says, for some people, the Holy Ghost just touches them. For the others, the Holy Ghost puts them in a headlock. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You are so funny. Wow. Um, yes, I know. I mean, I'm going to have to block Zelda here in a second, actually, because trust me, Zelda continues to make these comments and, um, they will, they will definitely, uh, get people in trouble. So I will delete them, but I think Zelda is going to be blocked here in due course is what's going to happen because Zelda clearly doesn't care. Um, so it is what it is. What a mess. You see, you can do these sorts of things when you create these fake accounts. I'm just looking at Zella's account for the first time. And when you create these fake accounts and nobody even knows who you are, you can hide behind them um, quite comfortably or think that you can hide behind them comfortably um, because, you know, or you have uh, anonymity. And um, this is where, again, you know, um, it's anonymity is a very dangerous thing just like it's dangerous for the people from, um, what's the name of that group there? Um, the expat association. We have no clue who these persons are. And so when you're anonymous, you feel like you have a lot of power to say and do anything that you want. And uh, there's, there's danger in that. You know, I'm held accountable because my face is here and I say what I gotta say. Um, those of you who hide behind these fake accounts are a bunch of cowards. Um, and Zelda, um, I want you to comment again so I can have the luxury now of blocking you. Yeah, let's just get it done today. All right, folks, let's keep it moving. So let's talk about um, Mr. Everett Gold. Um, so the jury yesterday shocked a lot of people. Uh, this is a young man here. Um, and there's a couple of things that I wanna talk about, generally speaking, and then I wanna talk about the specifics of this case. So there appears to be a bit of a discussion on, um, you know, oh, look at this guy. He's so handsome. Why would he have to rape or assault anybody? And I want to really caution people to try to utilize a degree of um, common sense as it relates to those types of things. First of all, uh, please don't be stupid about um, such comments, right? Someone who is a rapist, a child molester, has no look, no um, socioeconomic status. Like we can't point to, oh, just this class of individuals. The person looks like a pervert. They look like this, they look like that. No, looks has nothing to do with it. They run the gamut. So a lot of um, molesters are perfectly good looking people if that was a criteria. Um, Ted Bundy, he was a serial killer and a serial rapist that enjoyed strangling women. And he was actually a really good looking guy. 
that doesn't mean that he's playing with a full deck of anything. And it certainly does not mean that he wouldn't rape you if he got the opportunity and strangle you afterwards. Okay. How Mr. Gold looks has no bearing on whether he is a sexual predator or not. The fact that he can have a girlfriend who works at a law firm, I think she's an attorney at Walker's, has no bearing on whether or not he would sexually assault you if given the opportunity. I don't, I don't, I, I mean, I find it interesting that we are still dealing with this level of misinformation, right? Where we live in a community where people can still think, oh, well, no, he's got a girlfriend. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't need to do that. Say so what? A lot of child molesters are married. They're priests. They're married. They can get tons of women at their disposal. It's not about that. Sexual assault and sexual abuse is less about the sexual act than it is about many other things. Now, the jury, like I said, did not have access to certain bits and pieces of information. And we're gonna talk about what that, some of that is and um, how that could have potentially changed the outcome of this. And what I personally think actually happened with this situation. So please, let's try to elevate and educate ourselves as it relates to what does a sexual predator look like? A sexual predator can be anybody. It can be a woman. It can be teenagers. I just told you guys last week, the police are currently investigating an allegation with a 14, 15 year old molesting a four year old child. At least one victim is four years old. It could be other victims. Okay, smart kid has everything in the world going for him. If these allegations are true, I mean, it's devastating and it's horrible. You can't pinpoint what a sexual predator, a rapist or child molester look like. This is like informing ourselves 101. It doesn't matter. Now, here in the Cayman Islands, we have a history of allowing people to do things in our community and it goes unnoticed for a really long time. For me, given how small the community is, I'm always surprised that when you report in a case, all of a sudden you get all of these victims coming forward saying, oh yeah, he did this to me, here's my story. Or this person did this to me, here's my story. It's like, what? Well, where you been? Why haven't you reported this to the police? Well, one reason is the outcome of yesterday's trial is a perfect example of why a lot of women will remain silent. And I'm going to talk about exactly what I mean by that. Okay. So the streets talk and I get a lot of information. Other people have access to information. And it's not that everything you hear in the street, this is why it's called the Ma Road. Um, thank you, Satish. It's not that everything you hear in the street is 100% correct or has merit. But one thing that I've learned, and that's why the mall road, even our, our logo is called, if it don't go so, it go close to so. So you will hear stories reverberating within the community that this person has done this before and this person has done that. Listen, by the time you get to five or six people repeating unique and different stories, I can assure you that you need to pay attention to what's actually happening. That means that this person has a reputation, especially with young girls. 
They will talk amongst themselves, but oftentimes they don't share it with their parents and their loved ones because they're afraid. So when the initial story came out about this guy, Leon, as he's called, um, the streets were shaking with reverbs of stories about him. I mean, literally, it was like a um, an earthquake. There's a lot of chatter on the streets. So this is why when his sister uh, makes a comment about how her brother has been vindicated, and then she says that we had we have some kind of beef against him, apparently, is what she seems to think. Um, and now that her brother's been vindicated, or, you know, we're this and we're that, um, good sister, I would make a recommendation to you. Sometimes in life, you're better off just keeping your mouth shut and saying nothing at all than to really put people in a position where they're going to start talking about um, what we know about this individual and what has really transpired on the streets. Now, I'm disappointed that these victims have not come forward and gone to the authorities and made a complaint. However, that doesn't mean that he's not a predator, right? And I hope his girlfriend is paying attention because I see that she has a young daughter that she should probably care about more than herself. Let's be very, very clear here. When people attach a certain name to you in the community, they're calling you a pervert. And yeah, old pervy. There would be no need for people in the community to make this up about a really handsome, good-looking guy. I'm going to reverse that argument on you. Oh, he's so handsome. He's so good-looking. He's got the world on a platter, things going for him. Then, uh, yeah, people are not going to just be randomly making stuff up against him. you got to listen to what people say, right? So his sister made some comment about, um, this is what she said, Danita Seymour. I don't know who Danita is, but she says, I know you're not happy, CMR, but God in prayers is good. You wanted to destroy my brother's name, but thanks be to God, you need to stop what you're doing and God we trust. First of all, I'm insulted that you would even use the, the term God and your brother in the same sentence. As a sister, I don't know how, if you're older than him, if you're younger than him, but you yourself seem to have a daughter and you probably, maybe you've heard these stories, but because he's your brother, you're going to ignore them. Don't put any of this on God because God would not be happy with you. Y'all want to call on the Lord's name even when you know that you're wrong. Huh? Isn't this amazing to me? Right? Y'all be doing the most and then you want to, oh, thanks be to God. You think God would support a jury that got it wrong? <laughs> you know? God, Jesus, the son of God, was falsely prosecuted and, and lost his life for it. So I think he would know a thing or two about when uh, jurors get it wrong, when it's someone sitting in judgment gets it wrong. So let me be very clear. A jury has a job to do, and they do it to the best of their ability, perhaps. We're going to talk about that here in a second with the information that they have. But just because you have a not guilty verdict doesn't mean that you're an innocent person. We have seen throughout history many people that were found not guilty, and later on it was found out that, oh, hell yeah, they did do it. Now, let's talk about the specifics of this case. So that's the first thing, Danita Seymour. Um, go and take several seats. 
because when I tell you that you insult my sensibility and the sensibility of probably most people um, in this community talking about God, this and God, that, um, you know, really, the only people um, supporting your brother are people who clearly don't know the reputation that he has on the streets in the Cayman Islands. You want to talk about some of the teenage girls that him and his cousin had up in his house and the cousin was hiding underneath the bed trying to sexually assault teenage girls. Do you really, you really want to go into those stories, Danita? You want to hear what the streets have been saying about your brother? I don't think so. You better let sleeping dogs lie is what you better do. So the specifics of this case are this. This woman calls a taxi um, driver. The headline on Cayman News Service is interesting. It says, fake taxi driver acquitted in sex assault case. He is a fake taxi driver because he never had a license to operate a taxi. The jury was not permitted to hear that information. Could that have made a difference in the outcome of the trial? Sure, it could have. Because if I knew um, that he was a fake, I'm a jury now, just playing hypothetical, that the Jew didn't even have a license to do what he was doing, that would then go to motive. Why would he be out there picking women up? Why would he be responding to certain calls? That isn't even his job. Now, let me say this. Um, Zambula says he's handsome, so so some and nasty to others. He's a rapist in all ways. He's good for sexual harassment assaults. His time soon comes to an end. Trust me, the court may be no his girlfriend as to why they can get away with this. But but by all, it, it still remains that he's a nasty guy and got girl kids. Um, I know him well, and he's really disgusting and known to many as a perv. Well, I mean, that's the opinion of many, many, many people in this community. So um, what's, what's your name, Danita? You can pretend that your brother is a, um, a saint when it comes to sexual things and women and girls but you don't know what people know. Or if you do know, you're choosing to ignore it because he's your brother. This is why we need a sex offender registry, folks. Because a lot of people out there may not know. They may be new to this island, have no idea the devil inside of some of these people. Anyway, the dude has no tax, had no taxi license. So he's moonlighting as a taxi driver. Why would you be doing that? His mother is the one who owns the taxi company. And by the way, anybody wondering why she's not held to account? You see, in the States now, how this would happen is this victim would sue the mother and this man in a civil court. And if I were her, she's, the, the victim is a lawyer, and I'm sure she's more than traumatized, but I would, I would test the waters. I would actually sue them in a civil court because the burden of proof in a civil court is far less than the burden of proof in a criminal court. Remember the OJ trial? OJ gets away with murder, but they turn around and sue him in a criminal court. He gets away with it. In a civil court, they turn around and they sue him and they win. Nothing would be preventing anyone here in the Cayman Islands from doing the exact same thing. If you have children listening to the program, folks, this is a time to, to turn it off and not have your children listening because I'm not going to um, cut any chase when it comes to what actually transpired in this case and the words that I'm gonna be using to describe this. His mother should be held to account. Sue her and her taxing company and sue him. 
Danita, you paying attention? She should have her taxi license stripped from her. One of the reasons why the Public Transport Board license individuals to be taxi operators is because there has to be some vetting process of who those people are, that they are fit to be a taxi driver. Let me tell you now about this public transport board because they need to get their stuff together. Okay? They have done nothing about this situation. The public transport unit needs to get it together. How are they allowing someone, and I hope the minister of this section, Mr. Kenneth Bryan, is listening this morning. How are they allowing a taxi driver to have somebody else drive her taxi to pick up passengers? Because this is a point of contention in the trial. Because when he first got um, called in by the police, he was trying to act like it wasn't even him driving. His mother said, oh, yes, it was him, but he's not a licensed taxi driver. And he claims on the stand, the jury only heard, oh, well, I'm just a dispatcher. Mm. Okay. Right. She should have no license. You want to hear the cold hard truth? This is a breach, I am sure, of the conditions of having a public transport license, and she should have her license removed. Furthermore, every single taxi on this island, in order to have a public transport license and be a licensed taxi driver, you should now be compelled and be forced to have a dash cam in your vehicle. Minister Brian, this to me is very, very simple. This is a matter of safety both for the taxi drivers, but more importantly, for their patients. Because somebody like him, who has a reputation on the streets as being a, being a predator, would be less minded to get behind the wheel of a taxi if a dash cam was a requirement by the public transport board or unit. Public transport unit, y'all need to pay attention and take this advice for free. All public transportations, whether they're buses or taxis, should have a dash cam that has internal recording, voice, and video. They're very inexpensive. Trust me, I have one myself. I have a three-way dash cam. It records what's on the outside, what's on the inside, and what's behind me in the back of the vehicle. This should be mandatory before the renewal or issuance of a license. Put it in place today. Get it done what happened to this woman, no matter whose side you want to believe, should have never happened in a million years. So Everett Leon Gould, 40 years old, was operating a taxi in June of 2019, although he was not a taxi driver. He picks up a female lawyer, takes her from wherever it was that she was out drinking for the evening, this is a Friday evening happy hour, to, well, very close to her residence, an empty lot next to her residence, he pulls over and he cleans. Now listen to me very, very carefully here, folks. He does not deny 
that his finger was in her vagina and that that was going on, right? What he says happened is she assaulted him. This is what the jury believed, that she is the one who grabbed him. This was his story, his testimony, that she was the one who grabbed him, unbuckled his pants, grabbed his penis with her hand. And even the prosecutions, like the logistics of that with the buckle and your, like, how did that work exactly? The prosecution pointed all this out to the jury. I heard, I was not there during this part, but someone said, uh, one of the court employees said that the jury actually laughed at one point. There was something that they found funny. And I'm going to tell you why I think the jury really made a poor decision. It had nothing to do with what actually transpired or the facts of the case. This is a blatant example of prejudiceness by a jury and how unfortunately it worked against this victim. So she has another lawyer, a friend, call a taxi for her, right? She's drunk. She says that she passes out, falls asleep in the taxi. Somewhere in Georgetown, Sebma Beach area, he drives her. She awakes to find him with his fingers in her vagina. He denies the allegation saying that she was the one who attempted to instigate a sexual encounter with him, which he rebuffed. Listen to this now. And she was telling him, total stranger here. She was telling him that her husband does not satisfy her. This is his version of, of events. And so she just wants to get on with him because again, wow, he's such a good looking guy. Here's the other thing, and that's why I tell you, don't have children listen to this because this is not a child appropriate conversation. But this was all in court. She actually was on her period at the time and had a tampon inside of her vagina. And his defense is that despite that, someone he doesn't know. Now, if you're a woman, you know how implausible this is. That a total stranger is gonna be having her period and is gonna to say to you, stick your finger in my vagina. What? And a jury of mostly women found that this was a likely story and that there was reasonable doubt. I mean, I gotta tell you, I was blown away by the verdict. I'm sitting here scratching my head and everything else in between going, how the hell did they but you know, the jury heard more than me to be fair to them. But then there's also stuff that I know that the jury didn't know. Like he doesn't have a taxi license. You know, now we can talk about it after the fact because their decision has already been made. Would that have made a difference to the jury knowing that he was moonlighting as a taxi driver? Like he's a fake, he's a fraudster. The reason why the court didn't allow that in is because they knew that in the minds of the jury, someone who's already committed committed a criminal offense of any kind, especially in relation to the ongoing offense, that plays a part in how they think about him. So he's not as squeaky clean as he thinks. But the arguments, the legal arguments are made that, oh, we can't put this before the jury because this is going to prejudice him and his reputation. And I'm thinking, but if it's the truth, really? But yes, this is what happens all the time. Information is kept from the jury or from judges. So sometimes you hear people talk about, oh, this person's got a squeaky clean reputation, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, in what world is that true? 
Even in the criminal case that I was involved in, I was sitting there going, wow, this prosecutor is really painting this picture of this individual, a philanthropist, a businessman. It just blows your mind away. But yes, that's exactly what happens. It's disgusting. So that's his version of the story. That she was flirting with him, that she wanted it. This is this is as old as, you know, I mean, I cannot believe that these arguments are even still permitted in courts of law, that it's the victim's fault. She wanted it. She was the aggressor. She grabbed me. Um, she was dressed a certain way. She was drunk. So their defense, I'm going to tell you a misstep, I think, that the prosecution did make. And, I, and you know, the prosecutor was obviously, um, I've seen a lot of prosecutors, lots of cases being prosecuted. And um, he, the, the young man who lost his case really took it to heart. I'm going to tell you, he really took it to heart. So she says that, you know, she was pretty well intoxicated. A friend called a taxi for her. He answered the call. Again, no taxi license, but he was driving a vehicle, registered to his mother for taxi service. His lawyer says she wasn't really all that drunk and she started to flirt with him throughout the journey. So she wasn't passed out as, as she claimed as what his defense was. And while sitting in the back seat, she had put her legs on the center console and paid him numerous compliments. Now, the prosecution case was that actually he was busy arguing with his girlfriend at the time because they had the text messages to prove that. Him and the girlfriend were in the middle of a fight. Not to say that the man can't multitask, but you're driving a taxi, trying to get this woman to where she lives right? Her friend had to call you to tell you, pick her up. This is where she's going. Um, she's flirting with you. So you got time to be driving a taxi, flirting and texting your girlfriend and having an argument with her at the same time. Boy, he's amazing. So right before her house, within visual of her house, he claims that she said, oh, pull over into the neighbor's yard. There's a little like empty lot or whatever. Pull over there. He gets to the open door. She pulls him towards her and puts her hand down his pants. This is what he claims and grabbed his penis. Claims that he was taken aback for a minute. But he told her to stop. He told her to stop is his version of affairs. Right. Then he claims she did, went and paid the fare, and that was it. He even claims that he got an additional $50 over the price. <laughs> and then she asked him to be discreet and to keep what had happened between them. Her story, her version of the story is very, very different. She said she woke up to this man with his fingers in her vagina.
she does admit that in her drunken state, she describes touching his penis in order to maneuver him out of the way and allow herself to sit up before telling him to stop, which he soon did afterwards. So she said it was more of a, and, and she went into detail. And again, I did not get her evidence firsthand. I heard it summarized by the prosecution and by the judge that basically she was like in a state of shock. Like you wake up from a drunken moment and somebody's fingers are in your vagina. You're trying to think, how do I stop this assault from going any further? Right? So you don't start screaming and carrying on to maybe, you don't know this person, to maybe have them that get super aggressive with you. You try to think of, okay, how do I remove myself from this situation with the least amount of damage? And so she said at that point, she kind of like touched him, pushed him away, and then said, said, no, 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 you need to stop sort of thing. Now, when she arrived home, so his version is she paid him an extra $50. When she arrived home, she told her husband that she had been assaulted by the cab driver. She didn't report it right away to the police. Couple days afterwards, her husband saw her sitting down crying and he said, what's going on? She's a mother of two, what's going on here? And then she then had a fuller conversation with him about what really transpired. She spoke to several lawyers before she then decided to pursue criminal charges. She says she did not flirt with him. She was not engaged in any conversation with him. She didn't pay him this extra $50 that he claims, never had any such conversation with him. She admits to having been drinking that evening. And she also admitted to having a vague recollection of the sequence of events. Now, this guy, and I think the jury didn't understand this whole part of it, I think they really missed this, gave what's called a no comment interview. Now, when you give a no comment interview, that's when you go, the police call you in, you go interview and you say no comment, no comment, no comment, to really critical questions like, where were you that night? No comment, no comment. He claims that he did that in the vice of his attorney. When you give that sort of an interview and then you go to court and you get on the stand and you come up with another story when you could have just said to the police, this is what happened. So let me be very clear. If his story is this woman assaulted him, that would be something you could have said to the police from the very beginning. Listen, this is an assault. I didn't rape her. She wanted it. This is what happened. Why wouldn't you tell the police that from the onset? Why would you give a no comment interview? So the law was changed many years ago that when you do something like this, you say no comment to the police. And then you come up with a defense during the trial because now you've had time to think about it. You're not under pressure of a police interview and you come up with this really interesting story that the jury should use that against you. It's called a adverse advert, uh, adverse Oh God, what is it? Adverse, uh, hold on, let me tell you the correct. Adverse, um, oh God, I just had it in my head. Um, help me out here, the adverse, 
just had a total brain fart here. Let me see. Uh, it'll, it'll come to me in a second. An adverse inference. Thank you. Adverse inference. And what adverse inference means that if you have an opportunity to explain something during a police interview and you refuse to do so, then you rely on that as your defense in a court of law or you bring it up. The jury has a right to then question and use it against you. This is what adverse inference means, right? To say, hmm, why wouldn't you have just said that from the onset? So now you can make up this story after the fact of, oh, how she assaulted you and this and that and the whole nine yards, right? He went as far as saying that this woman is on cocaine, making all sorts of dispersions about her character and he don't even know the woman. All about making the victim look bad. This is exactly what has happened. I mean, to me, it's astonishing that this was permitted. But this is this is what it is. So yes, he says that she wanted it. She was the aggressor. She was the one who said, oh, pull over right here so I can look at my husband and kids through the window as you're fingling me. What a hot mess. Wow. Uh, I heard, and it was the opinion of other people, that the jury did not like the victim. So she was behind a screen. And that alone, in my mind, means that if you can't see a person, you can't see their expressions and stuff. And I know they're trying to protect her identity because we live in such a small community. And I think that that is important, but I think it also creates problem, a problem, especially in jury trials. People like to be able to see you because your body language can say volumes. You can't read everything from tone of voice what the person's actually saying. You need to see body language and you can't see body language behind a screen. And when we communicate, body language is like 80% of the communication process. So in my mind, putting this victim behind a screen, which I know why they did it, I understand that, meant that the jury could not develop any sort of a rapport with her. And this is the dangers of jury trials because they're looking for that connection. They see the accused every single day in a box, right? Looking at them and they're looking at him. A Caymanian, Caymanian jury, six women and one man. They see the nice looking Panamanian Caymanian girlfriend who took off from work at Walker's and shows up every single day in a court of law to be supported. They see the mother there every day supporting him. They see the sister there every day supporting him. And in their mind, I'm sure they're thinking, oh, wow, this is such a nice little Caymanian family. He claims that he's engaged to her and they're going to be making a business together and they're going to have a family together and all this kind of stuff. And this is so ideal. So they can ignore the inconsistencies in, you know, fighting with the girlfriend that night. Later on, telling the girlfriend that nothing happened that night. It was an uneventful night. You can't recall anything about that night that made it stand out in your mind. 
because apparently it's not that unusual for you to be fingering a passenger and for a passenger to want sex from you because yeah you're so handsome and this is how it happens every single night you drive a taxi so there was nothing in particular that stood out about that situation Darlene says, Sandy, sorry to say, but some of her people are so narrow-minded to think that way. Handsome, good-looking, shaking my head. Lolita, good morning. Tracy, good morning. Virtuous Panook says, there's plenty of gods, house gods, money god. Okay. Um, Gabby says, this is why a lot of assaults go unreported. The victim always gets the blame and no support from the community. Johan says, any man that potentially has to take advantage of any female, particularly if they are drinking or drunk, is despicable and is sorry a piece of shit. The thing about it is if someone is passed out or intoxicated, they cannot give consent. And that's what really this trial was all about. Was she in a position to give consent? Because remember what I'm telling you now, the man didn't deny that something happened. He's just denying how it happened. Why would... Again, oh, he's such a good looking guy. He has a girlfriend. It, it is a level of predatory behavior that is very, very hard to believe. And maybe the jury just wasn't capable of reconciling in their brain that this decent looking young man in their view is sitting here before us that he could be a monster in the inside because it would take a monster to do something like that. Maybe that's what it came down to for the jury. So they had reasonable doubt and they made him walk. Aliano is disgusted by it. Good morning, Barbara. Tracy says, sadly, Gabrielle, because we know the law, he does whatever they feel like the law here does whatever they feel like doing. That's that morning. Sandra says, disgusting once again. Uh, when are we going to take heed as Cayman is going from bad to worse immigration, in fact, government needs to take a proactive approach. Let's be very clear. He's as Caymanian, I suppose, as, as Caymanians get in this day and age. So immigration can't do nothing about him. Debbie says, I'm dying about his version of the story. Alba says, pure rubbish. Uh, what cab service was there? Was this, I think it's called, um, is it, th that's a very good question. Let me try to find out because here now is where y'all need to really, um, I think it might be gold taxi service and ACE. Here is where now y'all really need to um, step up to the plate, folks, right? If his mother would permit him as someone who doesn't even have a taxi license to drive her taxi, and they can still get on social media and try to defend his alibi and his story. Yeah, he got to walk and you're lucky that that happened. I would boycott his, her taxi service from now until if infinity. Because this woman should have never been put in this situation. I'm glad you asked that question, Debbie. Um, do we have a list of taxi licenses on the website here by the ta taxi transport? Let's see, taxi... Transportation services, taxi. Do they have a list of them? They have a rate sheet. No list of even who has a license. 
You see, this is where this transport service needs to get it together. I'm not impressed. Monthly transportation ambassador, after office hours. Let's call the transport department. You think they're, they're in office now? It's after eight o'clock. Do they, do they open at, at eight o'clock in the morning? What time do these people open? Nine, four, six, 13, 23. Let's call them and find out how this go now. Because I'm curious to know. Second floor, Rankin Plaza. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. So they have an app to calculate your taxi fare. Maybe what they need to do is have an app to ensure that the person picking you up. Hi, good morning. This is Sandra Hill. How are you? Hi, Miss Sandra. How are you? I'm good. I'm going to tell you that you're on air. Just full disclosure. We only have a question for you. I'm looking at your website. I don't know if you would know this or not. But is there a list of authorized taxi drivers on the website? Is there a list of authorized taxis? Yes, like if someone has a permit to be a taxi driver, is that anywhere in the website? Like the list of who those persons are. Okay, I'm I'm not I'm not understanding the question. Okay, no problem. So is if there I'm a list of, of, of approved drivers for the airport is what you're. No, asking? no, 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 no. Um, you okay. know, in order to operate a taxi, you're supposed to have a taxi license, right? The individual. Yeah, um, do you have a list of all of the persons who are approved to be taxi are drivers? Approved as taxi drivers? Yes. Yes, ma'am. We yeah. do. We do. Okay, where but can it I? It is not on the website. Oh. It is in our L drive. Okay, why is it not on the website? You think that should be public information? I I couldn't tell you. Okay, so um, how do I get a copy of that list? Uh, you could. Request for a FOA. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I will send that across. Thank you so much. No problem. All right. Have a good one. So you see, this is it, right? Now you have to request for FOI. They'll take 30 days to respond to you, um, FOI, and then they always come up with reasons to try to deny an FOI. Let's send it through right now. Please provide a list of all tax licensed. Uh-huh. Taxi drivers and um taxi services biz slash businesses uh in the Cayman Islands. Because the interesting thing about this whole case that really occurred to me and um is that you can have anyone moonlighting as a taxi driver and there's no way for you to even verify that. How do you verify that? Let me see here now. Uh, DCI.gov.ky. Are they required to have a separate license through DCI? Um, that's interesting. Let me see if we can discover if that's the case or not. I'm not actually sure, actually. Licensing, uh, DCI, by the way, has a list, big shout out to them, 
of all persons who have a business license in the Cayman Islands. So if you go to, I'm just going to remember where it's at now. Um, information and laws. Yes. If you go to DCI, you go under licensing, trade and business licensing, and then you go to report. Let me show you this. Then this, this is a website that other government departments should be seeking to emulate wherever possible. This information is a matter of public knowledge. It shouldn't be anything that's hidden. So you should be able to check at any time if someone has an active business license or not. This is good consumer information, folks. So when people roll up on you, but, oh, they want to fix your shutters and they want to do this business and that business, the first thing you need to do is make sure that they actually have a business license because then next thing you know, you're dealing with some shankster who doesn't have a business license, right? So trade and business licenses, monthly list, July 2021. So you click on this little download link right here. It'll download it. So let me just um, save it here in my October folder. And then... I'm going to open it up. This is a 296 page document that has all of the people who have a business license listed here. So let's do a, a general search. Oh, you got it. It's, it's a lot of information. So let's do a general search for taxi because we'll know, we'll know in a hurry if taxis are on the list. So it says transportation license, including any person operating a public bus or taxi. Okay. So they do have, um, public transport, limo services. So let's look for his mother's name. I don't even know what her first name is. I don't know these people, by the way. So I don't want, I don't want y'all to think. So I searched for Gould. It's pronounced Gould, but it's spelled like Gould, G-O-U-L-D. And we have nine hits. So let's now see who these persons are. So we have a construction company, Zenda and Littleton Robinson. Okay, so that's Gould's that's Gold's Plaza. Raven Gold trading as Ray Wedding and Events. Contractor. Nadine Gold trading as DNN Tinting Solutions. Uh, that's another one that's in Gold Plaza. Everett Gold Jr. Oh, he has a business. Does he? Is this him or is this another Everett Gold? So we have an Everett Gold Jr. and John Shern trading as Marine Pro. Garage or Marina with or without service. So I don't know if that's him. His name is Everett Gold, but it's Everett Leon. And I don't think he's a junior because they didn't have junior in the cause list. So I'm not sure if this is him or not. But again, you know, you'd want to make sure that you check it out if you go into his Marina service. Um, he says he does marine repairs. Don't have him come to your house repairing a boat unless you check it out. So we have Eric Beagle trading as Red Bay Community Yard and House Care. So I don't know who that is. Eric has a couple businesses. So it doesn't look like um, taxi services are really on this list. Probably limo services, but not taxi services. So someone has just said to me in WhatsApp, Sandy, I understand that some of these licensed taxi operators have numerous vehicles and employ non-licensed taxi drivers. It's big business. I also understand that this particular company has many family members driving illegally for them. It's only this association, if only this association would do their job. Wow. So I'm curious about whether the public transport 
unit is now an alert that they need to um, do something about this. So it's called Gold's Taxi. Okay, so they, they kept it simple. <laughs> That's the name of it, Gold, G-O-U-L-D, Taxi Service. Um, Gold uh, Taxi, is this the same thing? Gold Lo Loxley Taxi Service, is this the same one? I don't really know. Or is that a different one? So there's Gold Loxley. Uh... And there's Ace Taxi, which seems to be connected to them, same PO box. So do they own Ace Taxi as well? And there's one called Checkered Cab Taxi. Are these all the same? They all share a common address. So there's like three different taxi services, according to Fine Yellow. Uh, Gold, tax, Gold Loxley, Ace Taxi, and Checkered Cab Taxi Service. So folks, again, the government isn't doing their job. The public transport board um, isn't doing their job. So as consumers, it is your obligation and your duty to now seriously consider um, who you're dealing with. Because it's really reckless for them to hire people um, who are not licensed taxi drivers and have not been vetted and approved and licensed by the public transport board. So it looks like Ace Cayman Nice Taxi is somehow connected to the company. Y'all need to be careful. Just like when you travel to other jurisdictions, not for nothing. But you know if you go to certain countries that you better have prearranged before you travel. Who is going to be transporting you around? Like you don't just jump in any taxi in countries like Jamaica, Haiti, Cuba, Honduras. You try to arrange beforehand that this is a trusted person. Because you automatically become a potential victim. Taxi drivers set people up all the time to be robbed and killed and all sorts of stuff. Even in the United States of America, you come across as easy prey. Someone says his father's Everett Leon Gold, um, who's a senior. So I guess that's him as a junior running that marine business. Another person says check Ace Taxi Service. Some mother used to work with them. Um, so she would have a radio from that team. Loxley Gold is his uncle. Loxley. Okay. Uh, another person says, did he at least get charged for driving a taxi without a license? But of course not. Of course he didn't. This, this wouldn't be the Cayman Islands if he did. You see, our laws don't make sense for certain people. That would be a logical charge and that should follow. But are they going to do it? Nope. So Anna says driving a taxi that by law he wasn't registered to, to um, as the driver. Number two, texting while driving. Number three, realizes passengers intoxicated and didn't so-called stop 
whatever he claims uh, she was doing or trying to do. Number four, goes as far as to have his fingers inside a woman who he says was drunk. And someone he knows, uh, he doesn't know that. I'm no lawyer, I'm no judge, but this man isn't innocent. Tracy says, again, uh, what is this telling the young women of Cayman that men get off for beating, sexual assault, and uh, molestation? They have no rights and it's not worth it to speak out because you won't win and will be publicly scrutinized. But I want to make it very clear, Tracy, that I applaud this woman for getting for taking the stand, although um, a jury of his peers did not believe her. I applaud her for taking the stand and telling and sharing what she remembered. She didn't make stuff up. She said, you know, her memory wasn't 100%. She was intoxicated. Now, one of the things that I think honestly hurt her is remember how I told you she had a friend who's a lawyer who called the taxi cab service for her. And of course, he feels horrible now that he put his friend in the hands of an alleged predator who has been vindicated. Let's be clear. Who's been found not guilty in a court of law, right? When he took the stand, he gave testimony and he tried to downplay how intoxicated she was. And I think that was a mistake because he's thinking, oh my God, I didn't really sound like she was falling over drunk and whatever, but you know, I did have to call a taxi for her. And I think him downplaying it, like, oh, well, she wasn't really that drunk. I think the jury is probably sitting there saying, well, which is it? Either you're drunk or you're not drunk. Are you not that drunk? Or, you know, so I think in an attempt to protect her and not make her look that bad, him saying, you know, she wasn't really that drunk. And she's saying, I was drunk and I was passed out in the car. I think that's one of the things that the jury said, hold on here. What's the situation? And I don't know if anyone gave an explanation for why he would have done that to try to protect his friend's reputation. Like, oh, you know, she's not trying to make it look bad. Listen, when you're telling the truth, when you're on a stand and you have to tell the truth, you tell it no matter how bad it makes you look or how hard it is, you have to tell the truth. And if you try to soften things up, I think that it can backfire against you and it can have an unintended effect. Wanda says, unfortunately, this will deter others who are sexually assaulted from coming forward to seek justice. And I do not want that to be the message here. I don't want that to be the message. I think the message has to be that you come forward, not even for yourself, but for other potential future victims. You come forward and you go on record about what this person did to you. It's a hard thing to do and you're like the bravest person in the world for even doing it. But I feel like you have an obligation to protect other people. Do you know how many victims these guys go through before they even go to court once? And when they walk away, I'm sure he's feeling invincible today. Is he one that will learn a lesson and never find himself in this situation again? Most sexual predators don't seem to be capable of helping themselves. So I guess time will tell. Gabby says that Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the, AKA the Night Stalker, was considered to be a handsome man as well and was charged with 13 murders, five attempted murders, and 11 sexual assaults. Let that sit there. Yep. And even after he was um, convicted, uh, sitting on death row, he had fans. Didn't he get married while after he was convicted of murdering all those people? They're crazy people who are attracted to people who are very dangerous individuals. 
sometimes they're victimized in their own way and we just don't know the full story. And other times they get to see the charming side of a serial killer that the rest of us don't necessarily get to see. And then there are times that there's just a sick attraction that uh, goes with it. Saliana so said it'd be non-public and only through FYI. That should be a public document. We should know who licensed taxi drivers are. Um, thank you, Nasaria. Says Eric Gold is his brother. Okay. <laughs> Charlene says CMR private eye agency laughing out loud is doing it again. Listen, information is, is the easiest thing in the world. It should be the easiest thing in the world to come across, but maybe try to hide it, child. Gabby says, um, oh, Soka, sorry, says Gabby Miles, someone lied. Nothing good looking about him. <laughs> oh, by the way, when um, the victim reported it to the police, this is something of interest, right? She didn't know anything about the taxi driver. What she said to the police, and this was in my notes when the prosecution was um, summing up. What she, when she went to the police, she said, the person who assaulted me was a bearded man. So the one thing she remembered about him, that he was fully bearded. And I thought that that was very interesting, right? She knew nothing about him. She couldn't say who his mama is, where he from. This isn't about that. She was just like, he is a bearded man. That was the one thing that stood out from her interaction with him. The police then had to go about trying to figure out, because he's an unlicensed taxi driver, who was driving that taxi that night? Who was this bearded man? Since then, he looks like he's actually gotten rid of the beard, which is interesting. But folks, um, y'all need to be aware of what a predator looks like. Okay. So make sure that this image is seared in your brain of what he looks like with or without a beard. It doesn't really matter. Let's show you another picture minus the beard so that you can know what the man looks like. Okay. Just in case you might need to be calling a taxi. And so there he is without the beard. The beard's now gone. Okay. It's just um, quite shocking and amazing. Um, back in May of 2021, he had his bail conditions amended to include the fact that, listen to this, allowing him to continue driving a taxi as long as he was chaperoned at all times by a pre-approved person. This is how crazy the system is. Because I believe that afterwards, he then went and obtained a license. I don't know if he still has it. But public transport, knowing that he actually had this case, gave the man a friggin' license. 
to drive a taxi knowing that this allegation was out there. And it wasn't until it really hit the news, and to be honest, it was in CMR, that people were like, what the hell? How does he get a taxi license after the fact? You see, this is why when people say Cayman is not a real place, this is what they mean. So the um, magistrate McFarlane was happy to allow him to drive a taxi since he had a driver's license, a taxi license now, as long as he was chaperoned by someone else. So listen to this. The DPP representative claimed that Denise Cummings, the director of the tourism and transport um, unit, would vet the individual and approve them to ride along with gold. To vet the individual? Y'all know something's wrong with, something is just wrong with these things. It's just crazy. His lawyer at the time argued that, you know, why, why is this an issue now? Wow. Mm -mm -mm. Unbelievable. <sighs> ay, ay, ay. Aliano, um, yes, Tracy, Ted Bundy, another good-looking serial killer. Uh, Shirley says, Sandy, what is CMR's WhatsApp number? 324-1612. Uh, let me scroll it across the screen for you. Um, don't forget, 7 p.m. tonight, we got a good lineup of cardiologists coming in the show. Aliano, it says, exactly. We know they pass on the workload to the community because, heaven forbid, the civil servants can't do their job. He's rolling his eyes. Charlene says, um, Sandra Coe, I have the same question. That jury selection, sorry, my opinion is extremely questionable. All right, let's talk about jury juries in general, right? So one of the reasons um, why the uh, judiciary was looking to do away with, uh, Mark says that's not a beer, that's a spray on. Well, I don't know what it is, but beard like one of the reasons um yes okay that's correct i don't get to see the if you're replying to someone one of the reasons that um jury trials are in many jurisdictions disappearing is because they are inherently flawed so imagine this right you're a jury in this case and you see this woman she gets on the stand um, I don't know anything about the victim. So, um, well, I do know some things, but let's, let's just say she's an English person. You know, she has two children. I'm sure the husband is probably English. Maybe the way she speaks is a little bit uppity class. She's a lawyer. She's got this accent. Um, so many things could have prejudiced the jury of Caymanians against her. And you think, oh, this is this rich white woman trying to put this little Caymanian boy in jail. And he's cute. And I'm nothing wrong with him. He look okay, and I know his mommy, and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, you could see how easy it would be for jury to make 
a decision, not based on the facts necessarily that were presented to them, but just based on their own prejudices and their own assumptions and their own confirmation bias. And confirmation bias is a real thing as it comes to um, jury trials. That's why in many jurisdictions, they're doing away with them. So here's a headline from February 2021. Jury trials are disappearing. Here's why. And this is in the US. We'll look at what's happening in the UK. But the right to trial by impartial juries enshrined in the US Constitution, this article says. But in US courtrooms today, the vast majority of people forgo this right, opted instead to settle or plead guilty. Well, that's a whole other thing. A recent study explores the factors behind the disappearing jury trial, as well as its consequences for the fairness and legitimacy of the legal system. So we had a Sherry Diamond, who's a professor of law and psychology at Northwestern University, and Jessica Salerno, an associate psychology professor at Arizona State University. They surveyed over 1,400 attorneys and judges nationwide about the top reason cases don't reach the trial. So apparently, the reduction in uh, civil cases in particular um, that go to a jury trial is now down to 0.8%. Between It went from 5.5% from 1962 to 2013 down to 0.8%. So less than 1% of these actually go to jury. The use of jury trials in federal criminal cases has declined down to 3.6% over that same period. In the federal criminal justice system, fewer than 2% of cases went to trial in the 12-month period ending in March of 2020. So less and less um, jury trials are being used across the world. And there's a lot of reasons why juries um, are not seen as ideal. So they are prejudiced. Even the jury selection process, objecting to jurors for different reasons. Some people try to um, forum shop when it comes to jurors. Like, oh, you know, let's pick um, women. Normally in a sexual assault case might be more sympathetic towards a female victim. Clearly that wasn't the case here. There's a lot of factors. There's a lot of people who don't want to serve on a jury no matter what. So they want to just rush through the evidence as quickly as possible. So the jury system in the UK dates back to the 12th and 13th century for both criminal and civil disputes. It says in 1215, a jury system was loosely in place in Norman, England. In that system, the King's Court chose 12 persons to testify as to what they knew about the facts of a case or the character of the parties involved. And over the following centuries, the role of the jury shifted as jurors gradually took the role of witnesses in a presenting jury and then offered a final verdict of guilt, guilty or not guilty. So the jury's role, again, is to be a determiner of facts. 
And there has been a move to try to abolish jury trials completely. Here's a title uh, headline. I don't see, oh, this is from January. It says, our justice systems in crises. Why not abolish jury trials? Is that the UK? They're talking about this in relation to the, um, the buildup of over 457,000 criminal cases in the UK since the pandemic began, 100,000 cases since the pandemic began. So um, I don't know whatever happened to the arguments here, but there's a lot of people who opposed doing away with um, jurors in the Cayman Islands. I mean, on the one hand, I think that they have um, some merit still, although by and large, they are very, very prejudicial. This, this article says the government should take the opportunity to give the system a long overdue reform. Jury trials are archaic and should be abandoned other than in exceptional cases. This person says, this article says, after three terms as a juryman, I'm convinced that juries are a costly indulgence. They have nothing to do with justice except often to distort it. One of her cases was of drunken assault with the guilty being bound over to keep the peace. My fellow jurors were furious at spending so much time on the trial. Another was a fraud case in which some of the evidence was a total mess, which most of the evidence was a total mystery. Again, jurors don't necessarily get access to everything. A third was a blatant attempted murder. We listened for two days as young barristers were corrected continuously by the judge who eventually declared all relevant evidence prejudicial and told us to quit. It was a farce. <laughs> Few countries any longer use juries and most of them are former British colonies such as the US, Canada and Australia. They are a relic of medieval civic duty that once embraced compulsory service as constables, vestrymen, and dog catchers. A few European countries call in juries in matters of public opinion or taste, which is why I would use them for local planning disputes where lay opinion is entitled to a view. Here, this article continues. The crime and incarceration rate in England and Wales is notoriously among the worst in Western Europe. I'm convinced that a significant reason is that the jury system presents each case as a stage drama enveloped in publicity, an echo of a public hanging. Jurors naturally associate guilt with imprisonment and judges tend to do likewise. Either way, our system is obsessed with imprisonment above all forms of punishment. In Scandinavian Germany, prison is strictly a last resort. And this is the other thing too. A lot of jurors sit down and they're thinking, although that isn't their job, they're sitting there thinking about, if I find this person guilty, what is going to be the outcome for them? Are they going to go to jail? You know, that's not what a jury, a jury should not have that in their mind at all. Once determining guilt or innocence, they should be looking at what was presented to them. And that's it. Wanda says the whole thing 
is appalling at all levels. Moya says, is the public transport board one of the boards that gets um, changed when there's a new government? Because it sounds like they need fresh a fresh board. Let me find out. Um, Gabby says, well, for that lady, I hope she's watching this and knows that she is supported. Yes, we should all be hashtagging today saying hashtag she is supported. see what people are sending me. Oh, October the 19th. Oh God, that's today. Mm. Hmm. Thank you so much for that. Uh, we got our little friend Joelle there in court today. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Ace is connected to gold. Okay. Loxley owns Ace. So who's this one says Sandy check Ace taxi. The mother used to work with them. Oh, okay. I don't, like I said, I don't know who these people are. Um, good morning, Sandy. Please keep this anonymous. Well, I think you meant keep your identity anonymous. All licensed taxi drivers should have their ID displayed and in a uniform with a name tag. This came as a rule put in place years ago. Really? So does that mean in 2019 when he was moonlighting as a taxi, he wasn't in uniform and he didn't have his name displayed? And so that is probably an offense as well and why that person should no longer be having access to a taxi service? There's so many issues with this, I'm telling you. There's a lot of issues. Uh, all right, let's see. Um, <laughs> someone says, yes, like rich people don't steal. Taxi equals a camouflage. Um, good morning. Yeah, someone else said, um, good morning, Sandy. Just a quick question. Oh, that's an old one. Okay, morning, Sandy. Um, it's not the looks of the person. It's what's in their head. The guy that kidnapped a nine-year-old in Jamaica, he's good looking. Um, someone says, hey, Sandy, thank you for your coverage and voice on this. Discussing jury decision about the taxi driver. Please feel free to share this image. The RCAP has posted on their Facebook page over the weekend a video describing the, step, the steps to take to avoid being attacked while out walking or running. Yet another example of victim blaming. The issue is systemic. Wow. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, it's always about blaming the victim. Like, you shouldn't dress a certain way. You shouldn't look at a guy a certain way. Um, you know, all these things put the onus on the victim. How about if we lived in a society where people held young boys and, you know, I guess women can technically assault, but 99.9% .9 it's young men that are doing it. How about if we held them accountable and we said, you know what, don't touch a woman in any way, shape or form, that's not your body, unless you have consent, okay? Don't stick your fingers in her vagina when you don't even know the woman, unless you have 
consent. When a woman is intoxicated and dr drunk, she cannot give you consent. That's well-established law. Tracy says that many expats and work permits are sexually assaulted in the workplace and are scared to say anything because they will lose their jobs and have to leave the island. I know too many that this has happened to and is happening to just saying. And um, it happens across the board. In, in homes, so domestic workers are subjected to this all the time. And they cannot say anything. It's horrific. And offices across this island, sexual abuse, sexual assault. So look at this. Don't put drugs in people's drinks. This is flipping it and, and really showing you um, how ridiculous this is. When you see a woman walking by herself, leave her alone. Yeah, you know. Use the buddy system. If you can't stop yourself from sexually assaulting someone, ask a trusted friend to accompany you at all times to stop you. The inverse of this is what we're saying to victims. Oh, don't walk a certain way. Don't go out jogging in the mornings. Don't wear that. You know, it's like, why are we putting a burden on victims or potential victims on the women in this community? When we should be putting parameters in place for these sick men to stop assaulting or children or women, other men, whatever it is that they're out there um, assaulting. Here's a good one. Carry a whistle. If you think you might rape someone, blow the whistle until someone comes to stop you. When you come across someone who's drunk or asleep, the best thing to do is to not rape them. Wouldn't that be amazing? It's, it's a very serious and systemic problem. Louis points out that still here we are, no sex offender registry, we're still waiting. Yeah. Thank you very, very much. I would love for each and every single one of you to get on your social media pages this morning and just do hashtag she's supported. This verdict disturbs me to my core. I would love to have an exit interview and I, I do know one of the jurors and I don't have a contact number, but I'm gonna see if I can get it because I would love to understand how the jurors came to the decision that they came. What was discussed in that jury room? Someone just said, maybe it's a good time to revisit the pepper spray conversation. Women have no protection in this community. Nothing to defend ourselves. That's right. Oh, Louis, I know we can't give up on the registry. Maybe the PAC government is finally the ones that will get it done. I mean, I have a little glimmer of hope. Hashtag she is supported. You know, it's a small community. So people in the legal fraternity um, who are friends with the victim, some of them have reached out. And, you know, she's not the kind of person that you would say would, would make up this story or would do what this man is alleging her to do. 
And it's amazing how, you know, his family can swear for his character and, oh yeah, he's been vindicated. Well, this isn't much of a vindication if truth be known. But her friends feel silenced, even just trying to protect her identity. Because this place is just absolutely so incredibly small. And every single time I hear another victim story, whether it's a child victim, an adult victim, I mean, I think that we are not moving any closer to women being safer in this community. You know, I see it all the time when I go to court, these cases are just really, really disturbing. As a community, we need to start sending some very clear messages to these wannabe perpetrators that we're gonna start outing you. We're gonna start analyzing these jury decisions. We're gonna be listening very intently. There's nothing that's stopping us. The case is now over from discussing how did this jury come to this conclusion? What is this really all about? It shouldn't matter who the victim is. It doesn't matter if she's rich, if she's poor, if she's middle-class, if she has children, if she doesn't have children, if she has a husband, doesn't matter what she was wearing. She could have been half naked sitting in the van. No one has a right to touch you without your consent. The facts of this story make no sense. I have got to tell you, my brain was blown yesterday when the verdict came in. Of course, him and his family were happy, him and the girlfriend hugging and crying and going on. Good for you, girlfriend. I hope you listen to what the streets are saying about this man that you lie down with every night because the stories are not good. His sister and her comment about, oh, you know, I know you wanted my brother to go to jail. I don't even know your brother. <laughs> Truth of the matter is, I don't know nothing about this man. All I know is when the first story went up about him, a lot of people started ringing off my phone with stories. crazy. People congratulating him. A man who admitted that something went down, but wants to blame the victim or they're congratulating him. No weapon formed against you will prosper. I mean, I read stuff like this and I think, wow, you guys are really sick people. Honest to God. Anyone who thinks that this is a victory for him, should have their heads examined. Thank you, Alexandra. Thank you, Susan. Folks, I am going to um, put up that slide there that was just showed. I'm actually gonna put it in the comment section here in Facebook. And um, I invite 
all of you, I don't know if it's, it will allow me to do it in a comment section. I don't think I can put a picture, but I will invite all of you to again, um, send a very clear message to the jury. Other perpetrators, other would-be perpetrators, that the tide is changing the Cayman Islands. We want to be advocates for everything else. So everybody's got a choice with vaccines. We want to have a choice with um, smoking marijuana. We want to have a choice with everything under the sun. Choice with hating homosexuals, apparently. Okay. How about if we have a choice of not being molested? Can we all choose that? Like, I choose not to be raped. I choose not to be sexually assaulted. You as a man should choose not to do those things to other people. So share your hashtag, she's supported. Let that trend today as much as possible. Because if it's ever a time when someone needs to understand that the, this community has to do things differently, we need to put measures in place to protect people and not to allow people who commit crimes to do so, so freely. Uh, Richard says that they know that they can get away with it. Therefore, it won't stop. What a shame. Well, that's that's what we need to stop. That is where the message, I think, the dialogue needs to change. We need to stop making them think that they're going to get away with it. Even if it's in the court of public opinion, which is very, very powerful. Believe me, you. Right? Don't allow these perpetrators to walk around with their chests inflated and up in the air like they're somebody. No, as a community, we need to take it back. And you know what? You're nobody. For you to engage in this type of behavior, you're disgusting and you're no one in this community. And we don't care what a jury of seven have really had to say about it. It's entirely possible that their confirmation biases got in the way and they just got it wrong. And the rest of us can say, hashtag, she is supported. All victims of assault should be supported. I really hope that for his sake, we don't hear no more stories about him. Because I think that sometimes people, they, they luck out. We've seen it all the time. How many, how many people are northward, but it took them four or five times killing somebody before they could even get a conviction? You know, a lot of times they luck out those first couple of times and the more they luck out, the more invincible they feel. So let's hope that that isn't the case here. That he goes into the hole and disappears for a long time. And the fiance at, at Walker's making enough money to support the two of them because I don't see anybody hiring him. Thank you, Ervalyn. Thank you, Miss Wanda. Richard says, you're right. Make a change. Now is the time. Soka laughing. Believe you me. Rachel says, let's be clear. Nobody has the right to assault you. It doesn't matter what you wear, drink, how you talk, who you've dated in the past, what you do for a living or where you're from. Hashtag she's supported. Hashtag uh, smash the patriarchy and hashtag believe victims. Hashtag hear survivors. Thank you so much for that, Rachel. Folks, you've been listening to another edition of the Cold Hard Truth. This has been uh, Truthful Tuesday. Well, we tell the truth every day, but Tuesdays we can go a little bit deeper. 
Tomorrow's going to be Caribbean Connection Wednesdays. Tune in for that. Lots of things popping off in the Caribbean from Haiti to Jamaica. This evening at 7 p.m., please tune in for the cardiologists that are going to be um, on the program. Oops, wrong one. There we go. You do not want to miss this. This is really quite an excellent lineup. Again, big shout out to Kevin Watler, who's been putting all of these experts together, covering a wide range of topics. Um, uh, someone's asking whether or not the decision can be appealed. Unfortunately, with jury trials, not really. If it was a judge alone and there was something that the judge did and, you know, in terms of ruling something incorrectly on a point of law, then that's possible. But with jury trials, no. Someone else said, did you at least, did he at least get charged for, yeah, I was right. I know a few people that use taxis, drivers to drive their kids to and after school activities. I really hope they know these drivers personally. Wow. Someone else says his mother's license should have been displayed in the taxi. You know, but here's the thing. If you're if you're getting a um oh Soka, you're right. Tomorrow's impact Wednesday. Um they normally come on for about half an hour. Thank you, Soka, for reminding me of that. Um, I don't have confirmation of who's on yet. So let me um let me suss that out. And uh yeah, let me let me confirm that. But you're right. Soka, hey, Soka knows the schedule, child. She's like, tomorrow's Wednesday. Aren't we supposed to have Impact Wednesday? I look forward to those segments too. We started, what was it, three weeks, uh, two weeks ago? Two, no, three weeks now. Um, where the PAC members get to talk about what they're doing in their constituency. You know what is so funny? Last week, um, by default, um, not really by default, but the premier ended up coming on and then he came back on Friday to answer some stuff about this new law, but he never got an opportunity to talk about what's happening in his constituency. So I kind of feel like we should invite him back on for that because I know he's been doing quite a few projects, but I also know he's extremely busy. So let's find out if that's possible, but he's been working on a really big project there in Newlands that I think a lot of you will want to know about. So let me see. Um, what his schedule is. Otherwise, there's tons of other PAC members that we need to be hearing from. My good people, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to go put up my hashtag now on my personal page and uh, the CMR page, hashtag she's supported. And I will see you guys tomorrow morning. So today I got a meeting, 1030. Got another, I got physio at 12, 15. So still trying to sort out this um, tennis album. Actually, the physio isn't for tennis elbow because I need to get the referral for that. The physio is for the shoulder, but the shoulder's been feeling like quite a bit better. It's not 100, but it's feeling a lot better. Um, but I've got to sort out um, the tennis elbow situation because that's what's um, really got me feeling a bit rubbing Voltaren on it and stuff like that. Um, and then of course I'm going to pop into court to hear the start of that case a bit later on. I don't know how long that case will be presented for, but, um, super interesting case. And then, you know, in between 
all of that sprinkling a lot of work uh, throughout the day. So my apologies, last night I uploaded a video, we actually watched it on breast cancer awareness and then I accidentally went back in the system and deleted the video. Ugh, don't even ask how that happened. But I'm gonna reload it today and I think I'm gonna schedule it for um, a little bit later on this afternoon. So hopefully you guys can get to watch it. Please watch it, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Breast cancer affects both men and women, but primarily women. And um, it's a disease that early detection saves lives. So I really want to encourage all of you to um, tell your friends about it, get your breast um, examinations, do your mammograms and these sorts of things because this is extremely important. Yes? Um, okay, that's what I got for you. You guys have a wonderful day and we'll see you back here at 7 p.m. Kevin's, uh, Kevin Watler cardiologists, get all your questions and stuff in. And uh, it's going to be a good show without a doubt. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the cold hard truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings. 